What is up, people? And thank you so much for listening in to this episode of the New Generation Sports Talk Podcast. I am your host, EJ Stewart. We got a great show lined up for you guys today. We had a massive, massive week in the NFL. I feel like the NFL is really kind of taking MLB's spot for the quote-unquote hot stove season because the we had some massive moves in the NFL this week in regards to some big trades. Um, uh, one big signing that happened with my uh, with my New York Jets, and uh, and a lot of drama. It, it kind of reminded me of an NBA uh, an NBA week, really an NBA week in July or NBA week during the trade deadline. A lot of stuff happened. OBJ is on the move. He's going to Cleveland. Antonio Brown on the move. He's going to Oakland, and, and the Jets uh, uh, made a big move signing Le'Veon Bell. So plenty of football stuff on today's show. Kendall joins me. Uh, as always, is my co-host Kendall. Uh, what are you looking forward to talking about today? Yeah, I mean, like you mentioned, I mean, so many transactions. Uh, I mean, a lot of them, a lot of the, a lot of some of the bigger ones are going to get swept under the rug because they don't, they're not, you know, Odell Beckham, for example, who obviously got moved. Um, but I mean, the fact that you had three of probably the most, three of the, I mean, two of the top five most recognizable players in the league and probably three, like the top 10, 15 most recognizable players in the league getting moved uh, in the span of like three days. It was uh, certainly incredible. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about high profile, big name guys, high visibility. I mean, Brown and Beckham are the two, maybe the two most, visible non-quarterbacks we have in the NFL. That's not... I mean, the last two guys, last two Madden cover guys. Right, exactly. <laughs> and, and Bell, um, you know, obviously he didn't play last year, but before last season was the best running back in the league, a superstar. Yeah. So uh, this was this was a huge week in football, man. I'm excited to talk about this stuff. So let, let's start with Odell Beckham, Kendall, because I think that was a move that, that shocked the most people, was Odell Beckham just uh, less than a year after signing a, a massive deal with the Giants last offseason, just days or weeks after uh, GM Gettleman said that the Giants did not sign the Beckham to that deal to trade him, they did in fact trade Odell Beckham Jr. to the Cleveland Browns. In return, they get a first-round pick, a third-round pick, uh, Jabril Peppers and an offensive guard, Zietler, Kendall, uh were you surprised by this move? And two, does this move now make the Browns the AFC North uh, team to beat right now? Um, was I surprised? No, only because there's been a lot of smoke over the last, really over the last year, but particularly over the last couple of weeks that Odell Beckham could potentially be moved. That, you know, he had a list of teams he maybe wanted to go to. Uh, there had been a lot of smoke about Cleveland being a destination because of his relationship with uh, Jarvis Juice Landry and, you know, obviously the emergence of Baker Mayfield at quarterback. Um, and then we also had teams like L.A. and San Francisco probably made more sense from like a, you know, a business standpoint, especially L.A. for Odell. But um maybe didn't have the assets that a team like Cleveland had. But um, I think we definitely, uh, I, I think it's not a surprise in that standpoint, but it's still kind of shocking to think that, like, a player like Odell got traded when, like, I mean, I mean, it's similar to the Porzingis situation. Like, imagine she told New Yorkers, like, two years ago, yeah, Porzingis and, and Odell are going to get traded very shortly, yeah. like, in the near future within like a month of each other i mean <laughs> that would sound crazy yeah You'd be like those guys are going to be poor things definitely is going to be a nick for at least the next five six seven years and then odell is a guy that giants are going to build around is the biggest face in football and obviously now we see how both situations ended out i mean one it goes to show you what happens when your team isn't winning uh right ten, teams tend to then kind of Say we need to hit the reset button, and if that means trading someone like Porzingis or trading someone like Odell, no matter how young they are, uh, new management tends to want their own guys, and I think that's what we've seen with Gettleman um, trying to build around Saquon Barkley. Some people are making the case, well, now who knows? Maybe Saquon, you know, 
is up for grab. I'm like, no, nah, they didn't draft him. Gettleman drafted him number two to be the face of the franchise. If anything, I think drafting Saquon made Odell more expendable. Interesting. We're gonna talk about that. Um, but from the giant, from the Browns' perspective, I feel like uh, I think this does make them the most talented team in the AFC North. Uh, I do want to see this team play on paper or play on the field. On paper, they look great. Got a lot of weapons on offense. We'll see if they keep Duke Johnson or not. But even if they don't, plenty of weapons on offense. Um, they got some guys on defense that can play. But I just feel like, I, one, I'm not, I, I'm, I still haven't bought all into the Baker Mayfield hype. Some I, th- I feel like you're Baker, you're a Baker, you're, you're been a Baker Mayfield guy. You're telling me you don't believe in the hype now? Well, I just don't believe in like the Mayfield is like a Pro Bowl, you know, Super Bowl winning caliber quarterback. I don't think he's there yet. I mean, he hasn't started. Are you saying you don't think he will ever get there? You're saying right now, going to the next no, season, like right you, now, you don't think he's like, that guy? I, I like it's not impossible for me to see like Baker as he develops, developing into like a Pro Bowler or MVP, even caliber quarterback. But I mean. People are saying this team could compete for the Super Bowl next year. Yeah. And, I mean, he definitely played well at the end of the year and completely turned that team around. But, I mean, are we saying that he's Pat Mahomes? Because, I mean, it's rare that we've seen quarterbacks, you know, go on to a team and then lead them to the Super Bowl. I mean, Carson Wentz practically did it. But uh, I just, I don't know. I don't know if Baker's at that level. Uh what helps is that, obviously, he's on a rookie deal, and they can put a lot of talent around him, which is what they've done. So if he's good enough to get you by, which I think he is, it may not matter, because I don't think he's any really worse than Goff or Wentz. Or, I mean, I think he's worth my own. Um, but I, I don't know. I just don't know if this team has the winning culture or the winning chemistry to, to, to win at that high of a level. You know, I think this this could end up maxing out as a nine or ten win team, but I can't see this team in a conference championship game. Um, I do want to talk a lot about the Giants' perspective of this, but first, was I surprised? Uh, I was surprised. I'll, I'll be honest. Um, I mean, as we got closer, I, I was. Here's what I'll say: I wasn't surprised by the time we got to this week, or uh, when it happened, or, or last week, whenever it, uh, it happened. It was only a couple of days ago. It feels like this has been like a. <laughs> I feel like it's been like a hundred, like yeah. ten days, but AB only... got traded just as, or AB got traded just as week. I know. Um, so it was only a couple of days ago, but when we got to this week, you kept hearing and hearing about you know the Browns keep calling, or I saw someone earlier in the week say an AFC North team is trying desperately to get them, which we all, to me at least, I knew that had to be the Browns. Yeah, um, I almost thought like when that came out, I was like, I mean, it almost felt like the fact that they didn't say it was the Browns made me think like maybe it's like a surprise like Steelers thing. Right, no, I I knew that also still had to be the Browns. So, by the time we got to this week, was I surprised it happened? No, but I think just overall the landscape going into this season, I was surprised that this happened because of the Giants and and where they are and why, to me, this move kind of doesn't... It makes sense in some ways, but in a lot of ways it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense because I'm going to go right to your point about Saquon Barkley. I think that it is extremely foolish to draft a guy, no matter how good a guy like Saquon Barkley is. He's is spectacular. I love Saquon Barkley coming out of the draft. I think he's a stud now. But to me, it is insane to go into a season knowing that you're going to tank pretty much. I can't see Giants realistically thinking that they can compete in the NFC East and make the playoffs with this team after losing Landon Collins, now after getting rid of... Olivia Vernon and now trading Odell Beckham to me this looks like an obvious rebuild how do you then justify drafting Saquon Barkley last year when you know the shelf life on running backs is typically short Saquon Barkley is in the prime of his career right now shout out to my homie Rob DeRay he always talks about that and he's always 100% on the point about that rookie running backs second year running backs third year running backs those guys in their rookie deals this is the prime of their career so it, the idea that they're going to try to build around Saquon Barkley, when we look at this team, and yes, football can be a quick turnaround, but to me, this team looks like it's going to take at least at least a year or, t- or two years 
uh, of losing to get them back to competing for a Super Bowl, by that point, it's not impossible that Saquon Barkley is not the player he once was. So you draft that guy at number two, who you know the shelf, knowing the shelf life of running backs, and now you trade the guy that you signed long term, who you, who his shelf life as a wide receiver, he could be great for the next five six years. Uh, and then your quarterback, who you kept on the roster, is aging and really would only be there if you think that you could make one final run to the playoffs. So I don't get anything in regards to the Giants thinking on that term, on that standpoint. Now, the compensation they got was pretty good. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I mean that's the part of it that I, I kind of can understand is that perhaps they felt like uh, like perhaps they felt like you know when Gettleman said they didn't want to trade Beckham, maybe maybe I mean a lot of people seem to be doubting him right now. Maybe he actually didn't want to trade Beckham, but he found a team or a team found him that was desperate to acquire a player he had, and he felt like the the offer he was getting was too good. I I don't know if that negates the other issues I have with this trade and regarding Barkley's timeline, Manning's timeline, the team being in rebuild. All those other things, I'm not sure if it negates that. But you tell me you get a first, a third, a starting safety uh, who has a lot of potential. I mean, that's not a bad haul in this day and age, especially what we, when we saw what just happened with Antonio Brown, who we'll get to in a moment. So I, I, I have a lot of questions for Gettleman, the Giants, for the Browns. I, I, get, put, me on the, put me on the hype train, Kendall. Put me on the hype train. EG, EG's on I'm, the I'm, on, I'm on the hype train. I think the Cleveland Browns are a serious threat in the uh, in the AFC. Also, I don't know what Kitchens is as a coach. I get <laughs> Kitchens, and I was going to say Kitchens. To me, you talked about a lot of the other stuff, the losing culture and stuff. To me, Kitchens really is, I think he's the only real question mark to me. Uh, Baker Mayfield, to me, showed with, uh, with the weapons and the offensive line they have that he can get it done. Um, we know what kind of player Juice Landry is. Nick Chubb had a tremendous rookie year. We know what kind of player David Njoku is. They just signed Kareem Hunt. Whether he plays or not, I don't know. But he's now in the fold with them too. And now you got Odell Beckham. Their defense is strong. Denzel Ward had a great rookie year. Miles Garrett had 13 and a half sacks. Jamie Collins in the middle of the defense. They, they, I, what is their weakness? I don't. I look at the team, and to me, when I look at football team, I say, okay, where do I look at it and say, okay, they don't have starting caliber players and they can be exposed in these areas? The Browns, for the first time, maybe in my livelihood, I look at them and I don't look at a spot automatically. Where I say, oh, well, you know what? They're really weak here and like they just can't compete on this. Like, they got talent all across the field. I, I don't know. I mean, games are not one on paper and we definitely got to know what kind of coach Kitchens is. But I think if you're a rookie coach, you, I mean, you're walking into a really, really good situation from a talent standpoint when you look at this Cleveland Browns roster. Put me on the hype train. I'm on it. Well, I mean, wasn't I the guy either telling you, like, for the last two years, like, yo, the Browns are going to be, like, loaded? You did yo, say bro. that. You said they were like the Astros. Yeah, I was like, this is going to be an Astros situation, a Sixers situation. Like, when you have this many first-round picks and this many, exactly. this much cap space, like, it, I mean, it's bound to happen. Exactly. And, I mean, on paper, like you said, they. I mean, you, you listed all the talent. You know, I love all the names, um, but I just it's you know something about a losing culture. Sometimes I mean, we've seen it even with the Sixers a little bit. Even though they've had the talent on paper, they still don't really know how to win. And I'm not saying this team won't get to the playoffs because, like I said, the AFC North is weak. The whole and AFC is weak. Yeah, you can argue the whole AFC is weak. But when they have to go into Foxborough or when they have to even win a home playoff game against Indianapolis or they got to win a playoff game against the Chargers and I, or Kansas City, will they be able to get that done? That's where I have my doubts about this, this franchise. Um, but with the Giants, I, I just feel like they're in a situation where when I, when I say Saquon Barkley made Odell more, uh, more expendable mm-hmm. – I understand on the field, like, that doesn't make sense. Because, like you said, Saquon is, is a win-now type of pick. He's a win-now type of player, and Odell is also like that. But I feel like from a – I think that, I think Gettleman had the perception that Saquon is now the face of the franchise. Because that's been Odell for the, for the last three, four years. Like, right. it was Eli, then Odell showed up. It's been Odell. And I think he feels like, well, now – like, if they didn't draft Saquon last year, like, if they would have drafted, for example, 
um, Bradley Chubb, number two, they'd be screwed <laughs> if they yeah. did this trade. Because it'd be like, people would be like, who am I supposed to root for? Right, yeah. Like, Eli the face of the franchise again, or Bradley Chubb, the face, no matter how good Bradley Chubb could be. Um, but the fact that they have Saquon Barkley makes it to where, like, they can now lean on him to be, like, the guy. They can lean on him because he's a legitimate star player. He's a legitimate top three running back in the league. And obviously, he's probably the most popular running back in the league when it comes to uh, a fan perspective. So, it uh, and it's from the region, obviously. So, it, it made sense from that perspective. Um, I just also feel like the Giants, similar to the Browns, are slowly but surely collecting assets. Where, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, Barkley isn't the quarterback that maybe developed long term. But and maybe they don't even draft a quarterback this year. I, I don't love any of the guys in this year's draft. You talk about how they're going to be awful. I mean, you could end up with Tua next year. Yeah. If you really want it, or if you really, or if they really like Justin Herbert, you can end up with Justin Herbert. And if you feel like you can't get Kyler Murray, maybe you don't like Haskins. Um, now you got that next. Versa. Now you got another pick. Maybe you, you draft his replacement in, in DK Metcalf in the first round. Yeah. So now yeah. Maybe, maybe you got Metcalf in, in Tua next year. Or Metcalf and Herbert next year, uh, along with this top pick that they have this year, with way more cap space, with a lot of cap space. So Odell yeah. made he had a ridiculous cap hit on the team. So mm-hmm. that that is the that is the logic. Um, the only thing is like good luck drafting anybody in the stratosphere of Odell Beckham. Right, you know, DK Metcalf is a good nice nice little piece, but the odds that he's gonna give you half the production that Odell is giving you is uh. Seems seems unlikely, right? Exactly. You know, um, Gettleman's rolling the dice. I did. I saw a- this move, and I wondered how, what his job security is like because, to me, a guy who does this kind of move has a lot of job security, and the job he's done does not suggest someone who should be safe in his position. But you, I don't know how you do a trade like this, and the owner would be like, "Oh yeah, no, don't worry, you got my total total support, and you're gonna be here for a long time." You. It also you- makes you wonder. I mean. The Giants know more about Odell than we do. Yeah. And it, it makes you wonder if they just aren't comfortable with Odell long-term, as maybe the fans are. Because on the field, there's no real reason to trade him. He's been hurt, but and they're not really going to compete. So those would be the only two reasons like on the field. It's like, yeah, yeah, he's had injuries, and he's a win-now type of player, and they're not going to win the division. So I actually, actually want to touch on that in our, in our next topic, because I think that that is a poignant point about how they feel about Odell Beckham, whatever reputation he has within that locker room, because another uh, temperamental star receiver also was moved. He was expected to be moved. This was uh, last last weekend. Antonio Brown traded to the Oakland Raiders. The Raiders and Mike Mayock and, and J- John Gruden acquired Brown from the Steelers for a third-round pick. And a fifth round pick. We had been hearing rumblings that Bay, the Bay Area teams are going to be in play for Antonio Brown. Uh, Twitter was on fire the night before because there was word that he may go to the Buffalo Bills. And I, I tell you, I, I can I felt blessed to be on social media the night when <laughs> Antonio Brown was a Buffalo Bill because the memes and the jokes were just epic. Um, I, I I feel like that was, I was that was a time capsule that I wish I could stay in forever, but um but then the next day after that deal fell through the Browns uh, the Brown deal to the Raiders happened. Uh, look, I we got to give a lot of credit to Mike Mayock and to John Gruden because to me Antonio Brown, while I had still have some questions about how many of these. Peak, peak elite years he has left. I'm not saying he's not going to be great uh, in Oakland or he has, he has the potential to be great in Oakland. But, you know, at the age of 30, I do wonder, okay, how many more years can we see A.B. play like this? Uh, and if he doesn't play like this, like what's the the next tier below? Because some guys can still be excellent, but maybe not the, you know, 1,800 yards like A.B. was a couple of years ago. Um, but some guys just fall off the cliff, so to speak. So I, I I've been curious about that with AB, but to me with a guy with his track record, with his uh with his accomplishments and his talent, and you get him for only a third and a fifth, and you give him a little bit of a pay bump, 
I think that's a total win. I mean, the Raiders have had, there's no hope or no reason to be excited about anything happening in Oakland. And it will eventually become Las Vegas. And this gives them excitement. And uh, David Carr, who's looked like a shell of himself since breaking that leg, you give him, to me, if not the best, one of the top two or three best receivers in the game. You got to hope that he can get back to that MVP caliber player he was just not that long ago. I, I, to me, that's, this was great for the Raiders and, and for Antonio Brown. There's no other way to put this. He won his feud with the Steelers. He flat out won. They dangled that he was going to go to Buffalo. He nixed that joint as quick as possible. Yeah, he's like, no, I'm not. He's like, no, I'm not. <laughs> he was like, he was like, what was that, the, the Takashi 6 9 meme? Stupid, I'm not going to let you get the chance. He did the Sean Oakman. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm not. The DK Metcalf. <laughs> he, he was not going to Buffalo. And 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 he used his power to quickly be like, I'm not showing up. I will retire. And that deal, all of a sudden, just could not happen. I don't believe Ian Rappaport. It just he just blew one. He is becoming the woj of the NFL. If he got something like that, I think it was because he was very close to happening. And Brown made sure that didn't happen. So that deal ended up falling through. He goes to the place he wants. He gets a pay raise, and the Steelers don't get much in return for him. Uh, to me, this to me, I, I'm more curious, Kendall, what you think about whether or not this will set a precedent moving forward in terms of maybe player empowerment in the NFL. Because I don't know if I ever remember a player to me winning so overwhelmingly against his franchise. But I, I don't see how anyone else could look at this and what happened with the Steelers and Antonio, Antonio Brown. Yeah, I mean, this has been this entire week has been great for I think players, but. I, um, in the in the case of Antonio Brown, one, I mean, we look at the we talked about the Odell deal, and I mean, I think the Raiders got a player you could argue is better right now. Certainly yeah. older, yeah. doesn't have the the shelf life maybe that Odell has, but it's been more durable and probably been more productive. And they got him for way cheaper, so I mean, you have to look at the Raiders and say, look, good job, and people. I've been quick to be like, whoa, well, they gave up, you know, 24-year-old and Amari Cooper uh, first, you know, to get a, for whatever it was, a first-round pick. And yeah. They gave up all of this for, you know, a 30-year-old receiver with a eight on a bad deal, bad contract. I'm like, Amari Cooper was not productive. I, I, he was on my fantasy team. He was yeah. not good on the Raiders. Right. Like, I I mean, I understand the concept of, like, yeah, he, he blew up in, in, in Dallas, so clearly they were doing something wrong. But... Whatever it was, he needed to change the scenery. But if Antonio Brown stinks on the Raiders, then, I'll, then I can look at Gruden and be like, all right, something's up. Something's wrong. But it, regardless, it was not working with Amari Cooper. So to be like, I can get a first for that guy and then flip a third and a fifth for Antonio Brown, who, I mean, if you get Pittsburgh Antonio Brown, peak Pittsburgh Antonio Brown is like 20 times better than last season Oakland uh, Amari Cooper. He's so, better, he, he's five times better than Amari Cooper at his best in Oakland. Yeah, exactly. When he's peak Antonio Brown. Are you kidding me? Yeah. So like that's why I don't get the I don't get the people that are trying to bat. I feel like some people are bashing Gruden just a bashment. Yeah, I agree but, totally. I mean, logically, like I understand it. The only I think negative, not negative. But I think the only thing that you can say to Gruden be like, you can argue maybe he doesn't really have a plan, which. Because I don't know if he really, I don't know if this was part of the plan. Like, I'm going to trade Amari Cooper and get Antonio Brown, you know, in the offseason. I think, but I think he saw an opportunity. You know, I think it's similar to, like, when the Celtics got Kyrie Irving. That's exactly what I was thinking about. I don't don't think he thought, like, yeah, I'm going to save all these chips and not do all these trades so that I can one day get Kyrie Irving. I think he just asked for a trade and was like, oh, well, I got these draft picks and Isaiah Thomas, why don't I turn these guys into Kyrie? Yeah. Like, Sometimes that's what, you, that's what you have to do. If an opportunity presents itself, you take it. That's what Gruden did. And now Oakland, you know, they're still probably a couple of pieces away from really being contenders. But they got three first round picks, though. Yeah, they have three I mean, first they, round they, picks. They, I mean, they could do a lot of damage this year. Yeah, that, with, with I mean, just that the, be with overlooked. just what they've done today. I mean, a couple of weeks ago, a couple of days ago. So yeah, I think. I mean, I think this. I think this deal. It's a win for Oakland for, for Pittsburgh. I mean. 
I mean, you're free the cap space, I guess. You don't have to they, pay Bell or no, Brown. No, no, they gotta pay Brown because they still gotta pay that twenty-one million dollar cap hit. So yeah, they're not paying him, but they, that's why I think this is a total loss for Oakland, for, for Pittsburgh. The value they got back was to me minimal, and they gotta pay twenty million dollars. Right. This was a complete failure, and that's what I want to get to in terms of t- tying this to the Odell situation because, again. I tend to think that Gettleman didn't go into this offseason trying to trade Beckham, though Josina Anderson of ESPN, who is very tapped into not only Odell, but the Giants situation, has been saying that, no, she was hearing that the Giants wanted to trade him all offseason. Um, I don't know that if that's true or not, but I I tend to think that the right team found a guy who wasn't crazy about a player he had on his team, and with for the right price, he decided to give that guy up. But to me, this does speak to, and I never thought I'd be comparing Gettleman and and some of the clown stuff that that organization has done and saying that they did a better job than the Steelers. But to me, this is what happens when you you decide to get into the mud in a public fight with, um, with a star player that you're eventually going to have to part ways with. The Giants, say what you want about whether they should have done this, whether this makes sense. They maneuvered very smartly. They, ESPN wants to keep playing that clip of Gledelman saying that I'm not gonna, uh, you know, I'm not. I didn't sign Odell to trade Odell. That doesn't mean any. I mean, maybe okay. Maybe it means a little bit in terms of like trying to recruit other free agents and and agent, you know, player, no GM agent relations moving forward. That that stuff is important, but it, it means nothing in regards to maximizing the value of the player on your team. And the Giants. You talked about how there's this innuendo about Odell Beckham that we really don't know about because, like you said, it's like the Giants team know more than maybe we do. We see Odell act up on the sidelines. He, you know, he'll he'll punch a, a you know a, a kicking net or you know do some lewd uh, celebration in Philadelphia. But for the most part, while he sometimes is out of control, it, it doesn't seem anything that's complete team killing foolishness that we see at least. And the Giants were just very quiet this offseason. They didn't say much about Odell Beckham at all, and they only talked about him when asked. And when they asked, they probably just lied <laughs> and say, "Oh no, we're not going to trade him." And maybe get him and thought for the right price, maybe I will move this guy. Whereas the Steelers, now maybe they had a player who was invested in getting into a fight with them, but the Steelers had no made no bones about making it aware of what Antonio Brown had been doing behind closed doors. They they had uh, Ryan Clark, and maybe he could went rogue. But I think that it wasn't an accident that he would put that hit out on Antonio Brown as soon as the fight began on ESPN. They 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 right. they were unafraid to say this is what he did the week leading up to week 17. They didn't want to keep any of that stuff in house, and they I think they thought that by putting this out there, AB would eventually have to cave in and he'd have to come back and they or they could at least stall the situation that they could trade him a lot later. But AB was he he wanted to smoke. He wanted to smoke. So what, what did he do? He went to James Harrison. He went to the shop. He went to every, he dyed his his, his uh, mustache blonde and had a blue dread. And the they weren't ready for this fight. And now look what happened. They tanked the value of their own, their, their, the biggest asset they had on their team. They tanked the value because they were willing to get in the public fight with him. And to me, congratulations. You played yourself. Because the Giants didn't get into that kind of fight with Odell Beckham. They've been avoiding that kind of fight with Odell Beckham ever since these trade rumors started last year. And they got great value for Odell Beckham. Because the Browns are still going to have to pay Odell. It's not like he's going to go there willingly. They're, the word is that they're going to have to give him a pay bump too. So it's not. It's the same situation. And yes, he's younger, but the Browns got a better player and they pay for way less. You know, I, I think this is something that should be, this should be a cautionary tale for teams moving forward in terms of how you deal with uh, players that you look at as star players that you may want to move in the future. The Steelers handled this wrong, and they got burned badly. And it, and we'll get to well, I guess I'll get to more of Pittsburgh when we talk about Bell, whatever that is. But uh, yeah, this is uh, this is definitely uh, I think a little bit of an egg on the face of the Rooneys and uh, Mike Tomlin. Um, it's not over. Because they have plenty of they got they had guys kind of under the wings of Bell and, and Brown and Connor yeah. who emerged last year and Juju who's emerged the last couple seasons. So 
it's not the end of the world, but it may be time to hit the reset button very shortly. And to me, say what you want, but AB is respected in the league amongst his peers. I think he did. I think he did damage to that organization. I think the way he talked about Ben Roethlisberger, the way he talked about Tomlin, the way he talked about how the Steelers operate. I think the fact that all you got out of that fight and the damage he did to your image and to Ben's image and to Tomlin's image was a third and a fifth. Man, I, I thought this was a terrible week for the Steelers. I mean, obviously then what happened with Bell didn't help, and we'll talk about him in just a moment. But, I, I mean, I, I couldn't help but come away being like, wow. And you're right. To be fair, they do have Juju Smith-Schuster, who's a stud. They do have John Connor, who played great. Uh, 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 James Connor, sorry, who played great last year. Um, so they they are a talented team. They come into next year. They should compete for a playoff spot again next year. But you look at Ben's age. You look at the fact that the defense is kind of in in flux. I don't know what to make of the Steelers. And again, to go through all of that and 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 to be not get anything uh, of great value in return. That you gotta look at and, and you got you gotta give them that L to me, but let, let's talk about the other uh, killer, the former killer B from Pittsburgh that is now wearing gang green. Uh, Le'Veon Bell signed a four-year, fifty-two million dollar deal with the New York Football Jets, not the Giants, but the Jets. Um, obviously, I'm the resident Jet fan on this show. Have to say, I am very excited about Le'Veon. Coming to New York with that number, um, Kendall, do you think that the Jets now with Le'Veon and don't forget they got uh, C.J. Mosley from Baltimore? Do you think the Jets are turning the corner to once again competing in the AFC East? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think they're certainly uh, taking a step in the right direction. You know, at the great Isaiah Thomas would say, but. <laughs> You know, I, I think... Um, shout out to Zeke. Nah, shout out to Zeke. Yeah, exactly. Shout out to Zeke. But it's still it's still kind of a ways away, you know. Uh, I feel like they've got the... They've got... The, they had to start. I think also... I think losing Anthony Barr will kind of hurt. Yeah, you know? yeah. I was talking to my dad, and, and he said that you must, you must have put in the call. We're putting charges on you, Kendall. We're putting the case on you. We think you put like, in, <laughs> we we in the call and been like, yo, man, I, 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 I live with two Jet fans. You don't want to deal with these people. I, I, I think you I, need yeah, to come back home. York, you know, I know what it's like. Yeah, we, it wouldn't have worked out. But, <laughs> um, no, nah, yeah, I think that certainly would have further kind of put them in a, in a good spot because, you know, I think they still need, you know, a great pass rusher, which – you know, they're still kind of looking for it. But um, I feel like a lot of it's going to depend on Darnold's development. You know, he showed good signs last year, but he's not like he was uh, a world beater. But if he can if he can really take the next step to being a like a, in that echelon of the best young quarterbacks in the league with, you know, Mahomes, with, uh, I guess, Baker, uh, with the Wentz, Goff, those type of guys – then I can see this team winning seven, eight, nine games. Um, Do you think that acts? Uh, shout out to my homie Tom Wengler too. We were at the Big East tournament last night. Do you think that cause I asked him eight wins? Is eight wins enough in your mind for McCagney to keep his job? Real quickly. Uh, eight wins, yes. That's a massive improvement. Would they win this year? Four. Uh, I believe so. Yeah, I mean, if they win four or five games sure. this year. Then yeah, eight wins. Yeah, I would keep his job. I think yeah. he would keep it. Yeah, Jets were four and twelve last year. Um look, are the Jets turning the corner? I think they are. I think that they still have work to do. I agree with you, Kendall, on that point. To me, they have to get a legit number one receiver. Um, Robbie Anderson is not a, not a not no, a legit no, number no, one. No. Robbie Anderson is not a legit number one. Uh, I don't know if he's. I still don't know if he's really gonna be on the team next year. Right. Though, I mean, a second round tender on him. I think a team. I would be very surprised if a team decided that. Yeah, you know, we'll sign Robbie Anderson to a long term deal and give up a second round pick. That that would be surprising to me. Even though he did play well to end the season, that that would surprise me. Um, 
But nonetheless, I still don't know what Robbie Anderson's future is with the team. And, and to be even with him on the team, he's at best a number two. Uh, Anunua is awesome, but he's always hurt. So you can never, first of all, I don't think he's number one caliber, and you can never rely on him to be a number one. He's almost like a hybrid H-back receiver. He's a very unique but very talented player. Uh, Curse stinks. Um, they they signed Jamison Crowder, who I think will possibly end up being Anderson's replacement, who is okay. Uh, I wasn't I wasn't as crazy about that signing, to be honest. I think they need to get a number one receiver, and then, it, as you said, I agree, they need to get a pass rusher. Uh, if that's Josh Allen, I would be thrilled. Um I think they I think I think that the fact that they didn't get Barr, who they were planning to move back to the defensive line to be a pass rusher, or at least as a outside linebacker type pass rusher, as opposed to him kind of playing more in space in in, in a two technique with the with the uh with the uh Vikings. I think that they need to find a pass rusher and a number one receiver, and if they do that, I think the Jets are not that far off. I, I think that Darnold the fact that to me he he was able to stay upright and survive his rookie season with that team says a lot to me. I, I know maybe for other people that's that's setting the bar very low, but I, I thought this Jets team they put together last year was just awful, and the talent level around him was was so depleted. The fact that he was able to play to the level he did, I was impressed, and I think towards the end of the season he really made great strides, and we saw him and Anderson really start to get that connection. Uh, late in the season, I think the Jets are 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 on their way, and I think uh, certainly helps a young quarterback getting him uh, a Maserati like Le'Veon Bell in the backfield. Now he gets to see a lot of man to man. It'll help the receivers who now no longer have to deal with so much zone coverage. Uh, it's not like these guys could beat man to man coverage anyway, but <laughs> at least they won't have to deal with some of the coverages they were seeing. Now they'll see a lot of teams bring a lot more people in the box. They should Jets should be allowed to exploit more mismatches. They can get a number one receiver to put with Bell and at the Herndon who had a great year last year as a rookie. Look out. I know. I don't know. Yeah. In terms of whether or not the Jets and eight wins is enough. Tom to, to answer, you know, fill the, the hypothetical of what, what did Tom say? Tom they does not think that should be enough for McCadden to keep his job. I tend to agree that I think that they get to eight wins. And, and to me I guess it would have to it would have to also include that the Jets like, to me, if the Jets don't get a number one receiver, or if they, like, let's say they trade back in the draft and they get a guy like DK Metcalf in the first round and he's their pseudo number one, to me, if they get eight wins, I think you got to bring him back. I think you have to live with the fact that that's a, a big improvement. It, it, it also depends on, I think, how they get to eight wins. Because, like, you can get to eight wins. You and can like, back into eight wins and be Yeah, like you can this. back. You know, because, like, sometimes like, the expectations change. Like, if you start out, like, six and two. Yeah. And if you end end the season with only eight wins, yeah, you're fired. You know, I mean, the at that point, and some of that you blame on the coach probably more than the GM, but still, like, something's got to something's got to change. If your team, the expectations will change if you start out six and two. If you start out, you know, three and five, and you find a way to get to eight wins, I feel probably a little bit better that all right, the team's heading in the right direction. They're. Uh, the chemistry is starting to starting to mold, starting to gel. Darnold's taking probably the next step in his development. Those are the things where, where I would maybe look at maybe keeping McCagney, but I don't know. But eight wins isn't you know aren't all eight win seasons aren't made equal. And what do you think, Kendall, of some of the talk that Le'Veon played himself? Yeah, the fact I've that the, the the deal that he was offered by Pittsburgh was more annually. And the franchise number he would have got last year was more annually, and the number he got now, you know, is is is. I mean, give me fifty two million dollars, I'm gonna be okay. But it's not necessarily the money it seemed like he was being offered last year and the years past. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we there. There's been a lot of talk of that, and I'm actually the one of the few people that feels like that's not really a thing. Like, I think that you think it's not true. Like, I, I don't. I like. I don't really buy the notion that Le'Veon. Uh, got played, or that Le'Veon screwed himself over. Um, I think one, he ended up on a in a fr- with a franchise that he was comfortable with for whatever reason. I mean, it's odd because he came out with his tweet, you know, last year saying, you know, he's like, you can't do what he says. Like, you couldn't pay me a billion dollars to run yeah, with the hundred million dollars to play with the Jets. Yeah, <laughs> he couldn't give you a hundred million to run with the Jets, but. 
So in that in that vein, it's odd because it's like, well, I mean, I'm guessing they offered him the most money, but you know, obviously the Steelers are more comfortable with the Jets than you are the Steelers. So in that vein, maybe he did, but he ended up with a team he's more comfortable with, and I think. More than that, I think he sent the message more than any of these guys this offseason that the NFL at this point is a players are in in the sense that the players are now getting more of a say in their future. We've seen it with Antonio Brown, we saw it now with Le'Veon Bell. I mean, the guy was willing to sit out a whole season just to uh, play for another franchise, and maybe he ended up taking less money, but. Now he's playing in New York. Uh, I imagine there will be some uh, marketing uh, and advertising and endorsement opportunities that will open up for him that will probably make up some of the difference. Probably not enough of the difference, but make up some of the difference. So, right. you know, I feel like um, I think he I think I don't say he's a winner, but I, I, I'm happy for Le'Veon Bell that he's on a team. He's got his deal. He's healthy, which is something we can't overlook. I mean. He could have you. He could have gotten franchise tags and gotten hurt, and now who's who's looks like the fool. So yeah, exactly. That's kind of and look, people on the show may feel like or oh, listen to the show may be like, oh, you guys are green uh, on this, like you know, and they want to see us argue because I think we're both in the minority in this opinion. But I, I think I agree with you so much on this issue, and now maybe I have the green colored glasses on watching in terms of evaluating Bell's situation, but for two reasons. One, as you said, uh, to me, I'm not even sure if this, I think the Steelers, I think, yes, I think he did not want to play with the Steelers anymore, but I'm not even sure this was as much about the Steelers for him in terms of why he wasn't going to play last year. I think the idea that as a running back who uh, who has suffered injuries, people forget, early in his career, he had a, a knee injury, a pretty serious one, I, I remember I'm not mistaken. Yeah, you told me ACL. Right, exactly. So, um, so, so this is a running back who's had a knee, a major knee injury earlier, early in his career, and they were asking him to play on. Yes, it was a lot of annual money guaranteed, but it was there were no guaranteed money coming out of that deal for a running back at 26 years old last year. Now he's 27. That didn't make much sense. So he wanted a long-term deal. And he didn't think that it was worth possibly getting hurt, maybe not playing well, maybe not playing up to his capabilities, and losing tens of millions of dollars in the process, especially if he got some kind of massive injury. And then also he plays on a team that just saw what happened to Ryan, Ryan Shakes' year, so think of that as well. Secondly, and this is not being talked about, and I think, to be honest, not being talked about because I, 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 I think that people are skirting the issue because of a lot of these um the these reporters and these analysts and their the channel that they work for and their connections to the NFL. But I'm sorry. I'm not gonna put a quantitative number on how much uh not taking brain damage and the punishment that goes with playing NFL running back and take and carrying the ball three hundred times in a season and catching yeah. the ball seventy times in a season and not doing that and how much that helps your health. I, I'm not putting a number on that. People can say, oh, you're an idiot for passing them $16 million. I didn't take those insane hits. He's been tackled 500, 600 times a season by guys who are 250, 300, 350, 230, 240 pounds. And I'm sorry. I, I think that they don't want to talk about it because maybe it's because now we're getting to things that go beyond the sport, but this is a dangerous game. And there, I don't know if there's a quantitative number in terms of millions of dollars or how much not having to do that is worth. It might be worth $16 million not to take whatever whatever could have possibly been done to him physically last season. And, and, it's, and it's the sport, and we're not, we're not, I don't know if we're there yet to kind of talk about this. It was a little surprising to me that no one brought that up when they were bringing up the whole stuff about him sitting out last year, possibly losing money. I, I didn't. I mean, I've saw. I've because I'm a Jeff fan, so I've been covering. I've been following this situation very closely. And maybe I, I'm not saying I've seen every single person who's covered this or talked about this, but I've seen a lot of people. Some people I love on TV and in in, in digital media. Some people I don't like, 
And not one person I've seen bring that up in terms of why it might make sense to just not play football for a year. It's better for your health. There's no question about that. Yeah, and it may be better for him next season. Even. Exactly. You know, like we may see Le'Veon Bell and think, oh, he's washed up. You know, how, what kind of shape is he going to be in? I mean, he has now a whole offseason to prepare for the season. And he may look more spry than we've seen him ever because he hasn't taken a hit in a year. Right. So, I mean, I I agree. Um, that entire year of football is off his life. And we don't know what kind of effect that will have long term, but certainly I don't think it's going to be a negative effect. And like you said, I, there is no – there's no quantitative value you can put on that. Uh, and I think that Bell, uh, he's, he's he's happy with his decision. I, I don't think he's going to be like, man, I screwed up because I didn't play for that organization. I did want to talk about Pittsburgh, though, because I, like, I feel like at what point do players, like you mentioned, they, they look at, you know, Pittsburgh, you're without Bell, you're without uh, uh, Brown. And at what point do we look at them and say, is it a bad look to be building now? You lose two, like you said, two of arguably the best players at their position in the league. I mean, that's how they were viewed when they were playing on or when they were playing on Pittsburgh. We talked yeah. about Bell Brown at one point. You lose those two guys and you keep Ben Roethlisberger, who has his record of, you know, alleged transgressions and, you know, his uh, reputation around the league as a diva and this and that. You side with that guy over these two studs. How does that make that organization look? Um, which is why I feel like they should just hit, they should hit the reset button as soon as possible. And we maybe it won't be this year, but they'd be best off just also cutting ties with Ben, probably cutting ties with Mike Tomlin as well, and just and just moving on from that entire situation. I mean, it certainly looks like they're doing this backwards. Like typically. The old guy is a guy you kind of move away from, and you right. you, you you start to kind like of rally rally around the run young guys. You know who else did this, EJ? The uh, the Cavs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they were like, oh yeah, we're gonna we're gonna side with LeBron over Kyrie, and now look at them. Right. Right. <laughs> exactly. Know? If you they know? maybe if they would have sided with Kyrie, then like you know what, LeBron, <laughs> screw you, you're gonna leave. We're gonna build this team around Kyrie. Maybe he'd still be there. So I don't know. You know, so so that that is interesting. Like I said, I mean, this to me this is a bad week for the Steelers. I mean, if, if you, I know there are Steelers fans who are you know convincing themselves that cause I've seen I've seen all the clips of them on sports radio, uh, the sports radio hosts in that city saying, "Oh, we're better off without them bums." All right, <laughs> good, luck, good luck without Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell, man. Like. I'm all for, you know, all for one and one for all. And if you're not for the team, then the hell with you. I'm all for that. Listen, the Knicks are going through that same thing with Chris Asporzingis. So I, I get the I get the feeling. But, and look, and, and to me, Antonio Brown could very well have been more trouble than he's worth based on how he may have been acting by what we're hearing from what he was doing behind closed doors. But, but man, I, I just don't know how you spin this as a positive for the Steelers. They lost a lot of talent in the span of maybe what seventy two hours, you know, you know, said ninety six hours or something like that. We'll, we'll see how they 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 uh, turn this around. But I agree, I, I don't know what their direction is. When you see uh, what the Ravens have done, though they did lose C.J. Mosey and uh, Weddle, uh, and you see what um what what well, obviously what Cleveland's doing. Steelers have been a class of that division, and I'm starting to feel like maybe. And both of these are in the AFC. Yeah, I mean that's yeah, just a. Exactly. I mean, that that's a nightmare. I mean, they traded Brown to to Oakland, and it's not like they they went to like New England and you know Baltimore, but still. Yeah, they like, played the Jets this year. Yeah, they played the Jets this year. I mean, this is this cannot have gone. You cannot be uh, like Tomlin. But yeah, this went great. You got no no real physical compensation for Antonio Brown and. You lost nothing. You lost Le'Veon Bell for nothing. Yeah. You better hope that third round pick that you got for AB ends up contributing next year. Um, real quick update on our story about Odell Beckham. Uh, not a massive update, but it is something that I'm glad to happen on the show so we can update it live. Uh, 
the Giants have signed Golden Tate to a deal, according to Adam Schefter. So he comes in as the obvious immediate replacement to Odell. So Man, that does that does nothing for me. Uh, it doesn't do anything for me either, but it does suggest that I, I, I guess it suggests that the Giants aren't completely, completely tanking. I mean, they signed a guy who who has had big years. I, I think that I, I was surprised that Tate wasn't more of a factor in Philly last year. So I'm starting to wonder how Maybe. much he has left in the tank. You wonder if it also suggests that they may be drafting a quarterback. I mean, they have Eli, but like. I don't know what the Giants are doing. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I mean, to me, if there's any football fan, Giant fan, that feels like they know what the Giants are doing at this moment, I would love to have them on the show and explain it. Because I, I, I cannot explain. I cannot explain. Golden Tate is 34 years old. I mean, I mean 30, 30 years, years old, I'm sorry. Not 34, he's 30 years old. Oh, okay. uh, I'm saying he's gonna be thirty. He's gonna be thirty-four. <laughs> oh wait, yo, uh, he's thirty-four. No, he he's thirty years old. But like, he's thirty years old. He's gonna be thirty-one by the time the season. He's gonna starts. be making almost ten million a year. I really hope that that guarantee money is front-loaded because this guy is coming off one of the worst year, the worst year he's had in five, four or five years. So again, I'll say it See, again. This is the opposite <laughs> of what. This is the opposite of what Oakland did. <laughs> Oakland was like, we have a, a decent receiver that's, you know, a, a solid young receiver who's underachieving, and we're going to trade him for compensation and then use some of that conversation, not even use that conversation, but use some of the extra compensation that we have to get a, a elite top three guy. Right. And the, the Giants said, we have an elite top three guy. We're going to trade him and then get an average receiver to replace him. And I'm like, what is, I mean, I guess that means you're trying to lose games, but you just gave him all this money long term. I mean, to me, I mean, Golden Tate last year, 74 catches, uh, just under 800 yards. I don't know if it's fair to say that he's a replacement for Odell Beckham with those numbers. I, I mean, mean I, maybe he's, they're going to try to have him to be. Yeah, like, positionally. I, I don't know I if I feel comfortable saying he's Odell's replacement with those, with those, with those numbers. I mean, I, ideally, I think they want Sterling Shepard to be the guy. but That's not going to happen. Yeah, I don't think he's that. And, and look, I like Sterling Shepard. I think he's really good in the slot, but he he ain't he he's not a number one. No, no way. So uh, the the wheels and the Giants continue to spin in ways in which we don't quite understand. Uh, let's get to the end of the show now, Kendall. Kendall's court. What do you got for us this week as we wrap up this uh, little shorter edition, shorter edition of New Generation Sports Talk? Yeah, EJ. Um, we have uh. Obviously, the Celtics played the Lakers this weekend in L.A. You know, a big matchup for the media. I don't really think, you know, the NBA world is really that interested. You know, it's kind of one team going in the right direction in Boston, one team that's pretty much out of it. LeBron was playing with a bunch of D-leaguers out there. It was, it, honestly, we had the conversation. Hey, don't, don't talk about my man Mo Wagner like that, all right? Yeah, yeah. Don't talk about my Alex man Mo Wagner. I mean, they got Andre Ingram. Andre, yeah, don't, AKA, yeah, yeah. The, the My Slayer, <laughs> a.k.a. the My Career. Ingram out yeah, there. Yeah, put some respect on, on, on Ingram's name, all right? But, put some respect on Ingram's name. You know, they, they've been playing. LeBron, they, we talked about how LeBron shouldn't have been out there, you know, last week on the show. And it, it's it, it looked even more pathetic watching him play with those guys. Like, well, how come everyone else can sit out but LeBron can't? But regardless, uh, Jeff Van Gundy was on the call of that game on national TV and made the proposition that the Lakers should trade LeBron James. He just said it. I mean, he was like, you know what, guys? The Lakers should trade LeBron James. Yeah, he said, it. said everyone, everything should be on the table, including trading LeBron James. Yeah, exactly. Everything should be on the table, including LeBron James, including trading LeBron James, which, I mean, one, I mean, it'd be nice if he if he didn't have a no-trade clause, which he does. So I mean, that kind of takes it off the table. But um, it's led to just a lot of talk about, you know, what's LeBron's trade value like? Some people were saying, like, Man, you can't get anything for LeBron, which is nonsense. Some people were saying I wouldn't trade LeBron for anything, but Giannis, I'm like, that's also nonsense. There were a lot of things I would trade, a lot of players, a lot of packages that you could probably put together to get LeBron that don't include Giannis. But still, um, the idea of Van Gundy bringing it up seems seems foolish, but I think that's never going to happen. Um, 
one 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 also thing one one other interesting thing about LeBron is that people are now talking about how LeBron's streak of however many years it's been I want to say it's been like at least 12 13 14 of him being all NBA first team is about to come to an end. Wow. So, Didn't think about that. I mean is there any way he can get on the first team? I mean he's averaging 27 uh 9 and 8 and nine rebounds, eight assists, shooting 60% true shooting percentage. So a lot of years that would get you on the first team, but Giannis is a lot, and then Paul George you think might get in, Durant might get it. Like, not looking good for LeBron. Um. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, I don't know. I, 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 I would I mean, Paul George. You would think in a year like this, it would be nice if he got in, but if they put LeBron over him, that would surprise me. Uh, what about uh, Kawhi Leonard too? You know, he's you know he's a small forward, so he would be in that forward spot too. Yeah, uh, to me, Gian- to me, Giannis and Durant have to be ahead of him. So really, it's a battle for that third spot. And are we really saying that PG isn't ahead of LeBron? I'm not saying that he's not. I'm just saying I don't know if the voters are going to put PG over LeBron. Fair enough. Fair enough. You know, I, I think people I, realistically, I think think that LeBron is still better. Than yeah, him. I mean, Paul George is second in the league in scoring. Uh, we know he doesn't assist like LeBron, but he's rebu- he's rebounding at LeBron's level. Um, the fact that Paul George is second in scoring is still amazing. He's had an incre- he's been incredible. I mean he's he's been absolutely incredible. And again, I mean, this guy plays with Russell Westbrook. And the and the defense and again we can't I can't not illustrate enough or emphasize enough the defense a caliber defense this guy plays to go along with twenty eight points. It's like Kawhi Leonard. Like it's like in, in, he's not like maybe not that good, but he's like right at that level. Uh, of, of an individual on-ball defender. He's been spectacular. I mean, I, without question, the best year of his career. And he's at 28 years old, so he's in the prime of his career. So it, it makes sense. But, I mean, it makes sense in regards to this would be his best year. But I, I don't I don't know if I was convinced that Paul George could play this well. And I, I've always liked Paul George. But this is another level he's reached this year. He's been great. In terms of LeBron and his trade value, um... When Jeff said it, it was interesting. I agree. It made me ponder, what is LeBron's trade value on the open market? But then my question was, maybe this is crazy. I almost, it's so crazy that I feel like by saying it, I'm going to sound like, like an idiot. But I'm going to say it anyway. Like, what teams would, like, would definitely, I mean, there obviously are teams that would try to trade for him, but, like, like, who would be the team that would be like, oh, yeah, this is, we need LeBron. Like, he helps us beat the Warriors. And they, and who have the assets to do it, is what I'm saying. Because I feel right. like there, a lot of the teams that you look at that have these massive assets, like, they're not that good. So, they're not, they're, they don't like have Dallas a chance. wouldn't trade Luka right. for LeBron. Right. Like, they, they decide we're going to trade Luka and Porzingis for LeBron. Like, one. Lakers would Yeah, Lakers would do it. And, like, it might get, they might be able to get it done, but... It, like and they had to obviously put Sa- Sally Filler in there, but like, okay, but now Dallas is the Lakers, right? Like maybe even worse because they don't even have the young pieces that the Lakers have. Like, right. like to me, okay, you say the Bucks, but it's like okay, the the Bucks are gonna make a swap for swap with Giannis, I guess. And would you do that? I don't Does know. That makes you better long term. It obviously hurts you. Like, it's yeah, it's an awkward fit. It, it's we, it's weird. I mean, There's no, because we've never seen a player this good, at least in the modern NBA. At this age. Yeah, exactly. You know, at this stage of his career where you're like, man, like. He might be the best, but he's also 34. Like, since Yeah, Jordan. exactly. He could be like, he could completely drop off next year. Yeah. You know, or the the last years. guy we had like this was Jordan. And was Jordan. Jordan, Jordan yeah. was not on the trade market. But yeah, also, exactly. Jordan at 34 was winning his fifth championship. Competing for a title. You know, <laughs> right. you know so like. He wasn't on a team that was stunk where it's like, man, we got to find a way to get this guy out. Right. And to the point where you have to think like, oh, like, you know, like, is LeBron like just automatic? Oh, we're going to be a great team if he's on our roster. Like, I used to subscribe to that notion. I don't, I can't anymore because what I've seen this year. Yeah, it's kind of proof. So it's, it's, it is a fascinating question. So I, I don't know who will be the team that has the asset. I mean, to me, obviously, Boston always comes up because they're the team with the assets and the players. But besides them, I don't know I think who that. Philly would think about it. So Philly is trading. I mean, Philly. Yeah, Philly has the assets because now with, I mean, in theory, let's say if somehow they're able to sign 
Butler and Harris. So yeah, they come in with those. Sometimes next season, like trade them. Like. Right, yeah. So then, at, you know, after the December date where you can trade those guys, if they if you had those two guys, and, and or maybe if you include either Simmons or Embiid in a deal, including uh, those other guys, then you can get LeBron. But the, the number of teams is so small, and the teams that would it would be worthwhile to do it is so small. It he he's kind of to me he's kind of a hard player to trade. He. A guy that you would think would be easy to trade because everybody would want him, but it's kind of a weird situation. Um, to me, Jeff Van Gundy clearly didn't get the memo that LeBron is filming a movie that is literally being written to, to mirror. I'm assuming to, to 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 mirror the real life events that are happening in his career. At least that's how Space Jam One yeah. went. So I don't know how him being traded to Milwaukee fits into Space Jam. I don't no, know how he feasibly is able to do that if he's supposed to be spending a lot of time in Milwaukee as well. He went to L.A. to do movies and to be the media mogul that he wants to be, to be a billionaire. I, I, that's the reason why he put a no-trade clause in. I, I don't I don't think he agrees to any trade. No, no way. No, I don't the, think... I mean, the, in theory, the only place would be the Clippers, but... Right, exactly. Even then, <laughs> like, even then, like you said, that messes up the, the movie, you know? The movie is supposed to be Los Angeles Lakers with Ron James. It's not supposed to be Los Angeles Clippers. Yo, imagine the, if the Lakers traded LeBron James to the Clippers. <laughs> that would be, like, the ultimate NBA story. I mean, we thought LeBron signing with the Lakers was the If ultimate that happened, NBA then, like, but, shout out to KG, but then I would think that anything is possible. <laughs> yeah. To me, if it was somehow LeBron was a Laker and then got traded to the Clippers, that is the biggest... Uh, example of the NBA lifestyle that anything is possible because that would be crazy. But if there was anybody crazy enough and good enough to actually get a deal like that done, it is Jerry West. Yeah, you know. Yeah, but but I mean I, that would be that would yeah. be insane. They would need like the Lakers would need like a new owner. Like Bus Jerry Genie Bus would have to sell the team, or like Magic and Plinka would have to be out. Like. It would have to be a completely different regime that was just like, yeah. Speaking of Genie Bus, speaking of Genie Bus, when are we gonna? When is she gonna get some smoke for how this whole thing has gone down? And her rationale being the fake news media is why we're not good. If we had a we if we had a flames and trash segment, well, first of all, we had a flame and trash segment this week. Dolan would have hands down got it, but. <laughs> if it wasn't for Dolan, Jeannie Buss was a lock to get that joint. Yeah. She blamed the fake news media for why the Lakers have struggled this year. Yeah. What? Yeah, that was funny. Man, there's a lot of... The, the, the situation in L.A. is combustible, and we gave Jim hell for it, and rightfully so. Jeannie said, I need to take over because making the missing the playoffs... And being a laughing stock is not acceptable. And this is the pride they put out there. We keep going to Magic. He deserves blame. We keep going to Walton. He deserves blame. We keep going to LeBron. They, he deserves blame. But Genie also oversaw all of this. And just like any other NBA owner, especially one who has decided to put her imprint on the team, she also has to get a lot of blame. Especially if whatever... Whatever the situation is with Magic and Plinka, which we don't really know because there's a lot of weird stuff coming out, but who's to say that it's all that important or true? She's the one who kind of forged that union. Her relationship with Plinka, her relationship with Kobe, and then of her relationship with Magic, if there's somehow friction between Plinka and Magic and that is leading to the situation being combustible, and perhaps the, 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 the roster that we have and the situation that we have, well, then Jeannie should get, squarely should get blamed. And then her saying that the fake news media is why my team is sorry, that was a clown answer. I'm sorry. <laughs> that was that was unacceptable. And I don't know. I mean, I was in Los Angeles. I was not in Los Angeles when that comment came out. So I don't know how the people in L.A. feel about that. But I, I can't believe she was using the words of a known liar and a manipulator to explain away her sorry basketball team. I thought that was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think you put it best. Um, I think this is a great place to end the show this week, so thank you guys so much 
for joining us. Thank you to my co-host, Kendall. We're doing the show on the early afternoon because of some crazy scheduling this week. Uh, so we're able to get the show, and I'm excited about that. So thank you, Kendall. Uh, of course, you can catch all of our podcasts on the New Generation Podcast Network on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Stitcher. That's where you can find not only this podcast, but also New Generation Hero Talk, New Generation uh, in- uh, Imperial Broadcast, and hopefully we're still, I don't, we gotta still confirm, but in, in April, Game of Thrones comes back, and the Throne Tales podcast could also be coming back. We're still, uh, we still gotta discuss that, but um, so again, thank you guys for listening to this podcast. Uh, you can find us on YouTube also, New Generation Media. We have plenty of original videos and original content outside of the podcast, so that's a good place to go as well. Um, you can follow us on Facebook, New Generation Media. Follow us on Twitter, at New Generation Pod, and on Instagram, uh, New Generation Podcast. Follow me on Twitter, at EJ underscore Stewart, and on Instagram, at Action EJ. We'll see you guys next week. Peace. <laughs>